Well, good morning, Resurrection Presbyterian Church and anyone else who may be listening in. I'm Jared Bryant, the pastor of Resurrection. And if you're new to joining us, we've been sitting at Jesus's feet together, listening to his heart for the world. And as we've been asking the question, what kind of people bring healing and hope to the world, we've been hearing Jesus showing us the way. Right now, it's safe to say that that our world uh, seems on edge everywhere we look. I was reading a good article the other day by Ashley Gorman, and at one point she says, uh, America's cultural atmosphere right now is highly charged. The air hanging around nearly every conversation seems infused with kerosene, ready for the smallest spark to burn attempts at civility to the ground. This social climate has been labeled outrage culture, and aptly so. Instead of complex people enjoying constructive dialogue, whether face-to-face or online, we're increasingly more like brute animals defending our territory. We're all like Gaston, wild-eyed and seething, with a pitchfork in one hand and a lighted torch in the other, awaiting the signal to kill the beast on the other side. And the picture she gives us is from Beauty and the Beast, where uh, Gaston, faced with someone very different from himself, he leads the townspeople with this toxic mixture of fear and anger and this single rallying cry, kill the beast. The time Jesus lived in was highly charged as well, politically, religiously, culturally, But his response isn't to stir up more fear and more anger and then light it on fire. He he looks at his followers in the eye and says instead, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Wherever you find two or more humans together, you will find conflict, which means We live in a world that is filled with conflict. Everywhere we look, we see a breakdown in relationships between political parties, races, genders, nations, spouses, siblings, friends, businesses, schools, sports teams, wherever we look. Years ago, when Facebook started, their mission was simple, to give people the power to build community and bring the world closer together. It's a good mission statement and it's a good purpose. And along with other forms of social media, it has definitely brought the world closer together, meaning the world is more connected than ever. But what do we see when all these people are actually closer to one another, when they actually connect with one another? What we see is a whole lot of conflict. And it's not just something out there, something that other people experience. Think about your own life. Think about people that are difficult for you. Think about conflict you experience in your own life. Think about where you see broken relationships and where you experience them. Unless you totally remove yourself from humanity, you will know conflict in your life and it won't be pleasant. And the typical approach of our world when it comes to conflict is to simply try to win. That's, that is what war and conflict is all about, right? Peace happens when you win the battle. 
And peace happens when you're in the place of power to try to set the terms. Way back in the summer of 1919, the, the Treaty of Versailles was signed that officially ended World War One, And the Allied forces had won, and so they were able to set their own terms of peace, and they came down especially hard on Germany. And in what's known as the War Guilt Clause, Article 231, it says that Germany will accept the responsibility of Germany and her allies for causing all the loss and damage. In other words, this is peace. You lose, we win, you're going to pay for all the damage. And now while there's some good logic to this, and it did mean the end of fighting, it didn't heal the wound of broken relationship between people. In many ways, you could say it only caused it to become more infected. So what happened over the next 20 years is that bitterness at the harshness of the treaty, it led to more economic ruin in Germany and the rise of a new force, the Nazi party, with a young gifted leader named Adolf Hitler promising a return to military might, promising a new peace with Germany on top, <clears throat> able to set its own terms, which led end up to the deadliest war the world's ever seen. And this is the strange paradox. We're all drawn to peace through winning, through getting our own way, but winning doesn't have the power to bring about the peace that we want. But here's the good news. God is on a mission to bring real peace among us. Not just the ceasing of conflict, but real healing. Not just telling people to stop fighting and walk away and ignore and forget, but establishing new relationships and changing actual hearts. He is on a mission to take our divided world that is torn apart by sin and bring us back to himself and bring us back to one another. And he's calling us to join him, to be on mission with him, to embrace a specific purpose for our lives, to not just be about pursuing our own personal comfort or preserving our own inner peace, but to be peacemakers wherever we go, whatever we are doing, whoever we are with, to work towards reconciliation. But to be real peacemakers, there are certain qualities that are critical. And there are three that I want us to briefly consider this morning. And the first quality of a true peacemaker is humility. Humility means that you are able to look at someone else's faults and say, I'm not better than you. It means looking at the mess of the world and saying, I'm a part of the problem. It means looking at how much the person in front of you needs help and saying, I need just as much help as you do. In my time as a counselor now as a pastor, seeing couples in crisis is a part of my job. And I've seen a lot of couples over the years, and I've come to the conclusion that marriage counseling is really hard. And I know I'm in trouble from the start when both spouses come in pointing fingers. When you ask what the problem is, and they don't say it directly, but you get the sense that they're saying, my biggest problem is sitting right there. Uh, so you need to get help for them to get their act together. If they're unwilling to look at their own need for grace, their own need for help, their own need for healing, then, re the, then relational healing is not just difficult, but it's impossible. Jesus himself, in teaching his time on the mountain, says, 
Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank that's in your own eye? First, take out the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. If we want to be peacemakers, we need to actively move towards others, but not just pointing fingers and saying, you are what's wrong with the world. But moving towards others with a sense of we're in this together. We both need God. We both need grace. We both need his peace. The second quality for a true peacemaker is mercy. When we find ourselves in conflict, often the desire to win takes over everything else. The desire to win says, I don't really care what happens to you. What I really care about is what happens to me. And I want to make sure that I end up on top. But mercy says, I really care genuinely, truly about what happens to you. I'm not just trying to use my power to win. I'm not just trying to make sure you get what I think you deserve, but I am, I want to help. This past week, my wife gave me an old copy of Les Mis, which is my favorite book. And my favorite scene is when the main character, Jean Valjean, imprisoned uh, after being imprisoned for years of stealing a loaf of bread to not starve. He's now a hardened criminal and he is shown unexpected uh, hospitality by a local bishop, the simple man of faith. But Jean Valjean, what he does is he betrays this man's trust and his kindness, and he steals these items of precious value, and he runs away. And the police suspect him just because he looks like a criminal, and they bring him back to the bishop. And Jean Valjean is expecting the full weight of the law just to come crashing in on him. But what he receives is something very different. When drawn close, the bishop looks at him in the eye and says, There you are. I'm so glad to see you. Why, I gave you the candlesticks too, which are also silver, and they're going to fetch you 200 francs total. Why, why did you not take them with the rest of the silver? And then he says, Now go in peace. And when you return, my friend, you can always enter day and night by the front door. You see, instead of receiving the crushing weight of the law, he received this healing power of grace, of generosity, of forgiveness, of mercy. And Jean Valjean, as you see in the story, he will never be the same again. It's not just justice, but mercy that changes him. The sacrificial kindness of one man broke through years of hardness in a way that nothing else could. If we are going to be true peacemakers, what we need is not more weapons and more power, but more mercy and more kindness. Jesus later says this. He says, you heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. This is what our father is up to. And it's what we are to be up to as his children as well. And the, the last quality that I want to focus on is, is courage. To be a peacemaker means you are moving towards conflict, not away from it. It's a lot like being an army medic. You're, you're going to the front lines, but no one's giving you a gun because you're not there to shoot people. You're there to help people. But you're still in the crossfire. You are risking your life by being there. If you want to be a peacemaker, it will require courage because it will take you into places of conflict and difficulty and hardship. As a pastor trying to make peace, I have been misunderstood, 
sent harsh texts and emails, been gossiped about, and given the cold shoulder more times than I'd like to remember. And I don't think I'm an overly confrontational guy. I, I, and I like to be liked. But when you, when you enter into conflict, you're entering into a war zone, and there's a good chance you're going to be shot at. Uh, it's even harder when we grasp what Jesus says later in the Sermon Amount uh, on this teaching when he says, if you, if you only love those who love you, what reward will you get? It's easy to love those who love us, to be nice to those who are nice to us. But Jesus shows us a very different way. And this is the good news. And, I, and I'll wrap up with this. This is, is love. This is what the scripture says. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and gave his son as a sacrifice for all our sins. The cross has many layers of meaning, but at the simplest level, it is saying, look at how much God loves you and the lengths he will go to bring you back to himself. And this is the good news that we are sent out to preach, to be messengers of peace. As the prophet Isaiah says in our Old Testament lesson, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace or who are peacemakers, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Jesus calls us to be peacemakers as, as children of the Father who is the ultimate peacemaker. We are to be humble, merciful, courageous, grounded in the gospel of grace, God's gift of peace. And that's what the world needs right now so badly. Let's press on together. Love you so much. Can't wait to see you. Praying for you. Amen and amen.